Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. If you're new around here, here's how we do things. My name is Darius Cook, as always, and here's the basic premise. I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. For today's episode, we're going to be going over the Disney Plus Marvel series, Hawkeye. I had a lot of fun watching this show. Not only is it a superhero show, which if you have listened to my uh, episodes already, you'll know I love superhero shows, but it's also a Christmas show, so that was a lot of fun. This is like the fourth series that Disney Marvel has put out uh, as far as their streaming services are, and I had a lot of fun watching all those series, this one especially, so I'm super happy to get into it with you guys. So yeah, without further ado, happy holidays, and let's get right into the intro. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. So, as I mentioned before, we'll be talking about the entire series of Hawkeye here. Coming in at six episodes, it seems to be the Marvel standard on Disney+. Plus. I appreciate that these episodes are long for all these different Marvel series. However, six episodes just doesn't feel like enough. If I were to have one critique for the show, and I, I'll probably have a few different ones, but the first one that kind of comes to mind is that things feel a little rushed, and that's kind of felt present with all the Marvel series shows, that they're packing so much story, and I appreciate that. Like, they are delivering in terms of content and story, but unfortunately, the six-episode run just feels always a little bit short at the end. It's kind of hard to land the ship. I will say, to Hawkeye's credit, this show lands this ship, so to speak, better than almost any other one does. And because we are talking about the full season here, that is going to be your spoiler warning. If you haven't already seen it, this is your cue to head on out of here. You can bet your bottom dollar that there's tons of surprises to go through here. So again, if you haven't seen it, don't stick around. Watch it and check this out after. So this series follows Clint Barton, who we already know to be our resident Hawkeye figure in the Avengers, as he's forced to work together with Kate Bishop as she essentially gets caught up in a in a world twirl of a situation involving multiple different criminal factions in this world, uh, all, all because of who she's related to and because she ends up finding the Ronin suit, essentially. Because Clint used to be the Ronin, so he used to be the user of the Ronin suit, he feels it his responsibility to figure out what's going on and put an end to it all before he can make it home for the holidays with his family. That's kind of his main motivation throughout this series, is to make it home for the holidays. The first thing I want to give praise for is the opening scene of the series. Episode 1 opens right up, and it follows our Kate Bishop character, who is the second main character that we'll get to know throughout the series here. And she's about, I don't know, 5 or 6 years old, super young. And it's her perspective of seeing the events of the first Avengers movie when all the when Loki led an army of aliens to attack Earth and that happened in New York City. So you get it from her point of view as a resident of New York City who's right there in the middle of the action seeing everything go down. This is also when her father passes away, as we are told. Uh, I'm a little suspicious that he might still be alive. Everything I watch nowadays, if I don't see that person die, they end up coming back. So I didn't see Kate's dad die. I'm saying he's still alive. But what we see is a, a very cinematic point of view of the calamity that's ensuing. And you see her just being overwhelmed and awestruck by it all. 
But then what we see is that same shot that we did see in Avengers 1. It's nice to get these super long callbacks from from movies we haven't seen in almost a decade now. But you see Clint uh, diving off the end of a building and shooting arrows, fighting like every other hero is, even though he's the unpowered hero. And it's that moment that inspires Kate that anyone can be a superhero. You don't have to just sit by and wait for calamity to happen. She ends up dedicating the rest of her life to being an archer. And by the time that we pick up with her back up within the series, she's 22 years old and she's definitely reached mastery level archery. She hits her shots just as often as Clint does. If anything, the only thing that Clint does better than Kate is just having experience and planning. Other than that, her ability, it's shown that she doesn't really miss. So she's really good. That ends up being one of the major themes of this season is that you don't have to have superpowers to be super in this world. That there's plenty that you can do to protect others or defend yourself or or whatever the case is, even without powers. I like that message. It's definitely a cool one. It's certainly one that's been present in the MCU up to this point. But I will say it's been overshadowed because all of our major characters have either access to this amazing technology that just puts them on the level of a superhero or just have amazing powers themselves. And while it's true that the MCU has has tried to get this message across that you don't need powers to be a superhero, it's failed in that a little bit because their super powered characters are just so cool that they take the spotlight. I mean, you have Thor calling down lightning. It's hard for Hawkeye to stand next to him. You know what I mean? But that that is what the show does really well. And there's basically no superpowered characters. There's only one that ends up coming in at the very end of the series. And even the nature of his powers is a little bit questionable. I might have to do a little bit of research for that. But we'll get into that in just a little bit. So I'm going to start off to continue talking about the point of view of Kate Bishop, where we pick up with her in the series. Because it's really her story in the first couple episodes here that incite what the plot is going to be moving forward. It it ends up only involving Clint Barton in in a tangential way. So when we pick up with with Kate Bishop, we find out after all these years, uh, after her dad passed away, her mom had to pick up the pieces, kind of. And it's implied that he basically was caught up with different crime organizations and owed different people money and owed different things to different people. So not only was he leaving his family without a father, he was leaving them to kind of deal with the ramifications of all that. So this ends up propelling Kate's mom into this role where she ends up becoming part of a crime organization. Her day job is that she's the head of a security company, which is very successful and very, uh, has goes very far reaching, let's say. However, she definitely is involved with some stuff behind the scenes and is actually working for Kingpin, who gets revealed later on in the series. If you're a Marvel comic fan or any kind of fan of Marvel in general, you've definitely heard of Kingpin. He was. It's also uh, played by the same actor who played him in the Daredevil series. So if, if, you, if you're a fan of him, you knew he was coming. The writing was definitely on the wall. They kept alluding to the big man is coming and... You know, this goes all the way to the top. You don't want to mess with him. But we get him revealed a little bit later on, and it is shown that she has been working with him for a number of years now. But that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. The The big exciting incident is the big auction, and that's where Kate Bishop finds herself, and she overhears a conversation that that her mom is having with a, a member of the Duquesne family, which Jack Duquesne ends up becoming Kate's stepfather in this series, 
however, before that, we see uh, his relative engaged in a very serious conversation with with Kate's mom. And then later on that episode, he's revealed to be dead. Now, this propels a big mystery that looms over the series for the entire season of who killed him. And everything everything seems to point at Jack Duquesne. And that's who we're very suspicious of early on. However, he does end up being a red herring. So I liked playing with his character. And the actor who brought Jack Duquesne's performance to life was so wonderfully whimsical. He definitely felt like a comic book character or a cartoon character actually just there on the screen. So I liked how how they executed him. He was a lot of fun. So at this event, there's essentially a secret auction happening in the basement. And this auction has basically is giving out like retired superhero gear we even see we this is where we find the ronin costume this is also where we find the ronin retractable sword and amongst other things and the tracksuit mafia comes into play here they're basically our ground level villains that just they're just some goons right they call each other bro they're funny i like their little group but the tracksuit mafia comes in and their one goal is to find this watch we don't know what's up with this watch at this point. We just know that it's some high-ticket value item. And we end up learning later that it it pertains to somebody who's been out of the hero business for a while. But we don't really know what, that has, what, what that's about. But anyways, that's what they're there for. And amongst the commotion, uh, that Kate Bishop ends up taking the Ronin costume and basically escaping. And this leads to a series of events where now Kate Bishop is on the tracksuit mafia's radar because she's the one causing problems for them. And they, they and, and they have a personal beef with Ronan because she's there wearing the Ronan costume. Now, if I'm saying the word Ronan a lot and that's not quite ringing any bells, Ronan is the moniker that Clint Barton adopted during the five-year blip period. It essentially is, a, and if I'm correct about its origins from the comic books, the Ronin moniker is a vigilante in a way where it's a version of Clint Barton where he he essentially kills bad guys. He he just loses his moral compass a little bit and and as long as they're considered crime people, he's willing to kill them essentially. So that is where we that is where we find that character during the five year period. Of course he, he we do get him out of that situation, but during that time that is what he's doing. It's a very dark path for Clint. And this is another major theme that they that they play up in this series. Not only is it that anyone can be a hero, but also explores the the dark nature of what these characters have gone through. And I've kind of seen that through a lot of the different Marvel series. They are taking like a a, a bigger spotlight onto the more the dark parts of the MCU. And that's especially true for Clint as he basically gets revealed to be a killer in the series. I thought that it was all going to be cleared up and he wasn't the one who did it. But they do confirm that he has killed. He's killed multiple people. And that that's a big part of what his job has been in the past. The way he justifies it is that he's a weapon. Um, but I don't know if that really lets him off the hook. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's, it's a gray area situation. And I appreciate that Marvel is turning in a more complex look at this character and not that he's just a good guy who's never killed or that he's a bad guy who's killed once. And so he's evil necessarily. It's weird. He's a hero, but he's also done some morally questionable things. So I don't know. The verdict's still not out on Hawkeye there. I'm a little pessimistic about it. But again, I'm finding myself getting ahead of myself again. That is like my calling card here. But so Kate Bishop, she's wearing the Ronin costume, and that is what gets Clint to find her. I don't know how he find her, finds her, but he finds her. 
he locates her in a random alley in New York City. So yeah, that's cool. And they link up, and this is the beginning of what might what will develop to be a partnership. But immediately, you know, Kate is a super fan of Hawkeye. He's the re- he's the reason that she ever even got into archery in general. He's the reason that she is where she is today. And he's immediately interested because how did she get this costume? I I'm actually I wish that they gave us a little bit of backstory as to how he lost the costume. Did he just ditch it in a dumpster or something? I don't know, but. He, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and that's why they end up partnering together. Once he realizes that there's a little bit more to the situation than he initially thought, he ends up telling his family that he's going to be a little late. But he does make this commitment to make it back to Christmas. He won't be there for the whole Christmas week, but he'll be there just in the nick of time. That's that's the main goal here. And there's actually a few times that we, that we get these cut scenes to Clint calling his family, and it's interesting. We get like four or five different conversations with his wife. And in each conversation, it's slowly getting implied that she might be a little bit more involved in this than we thought. At the end of the series, it does get revealed to be the case. But it's interesting. You, it's, It goes from, from an innocent, lovely conversation between a supportive couple. And then the next one, you're like, wait a minute. Did, was there a little dialogue there? And by the third one, the audience is definitely like, okay, the wife is sus. Something's going on. And then by the end, they, they bring it home. But that was a good little mystery that they kind of uh, added to slowly but surely as the season went on. I appreciated that. But also, I guess while I'm on the topic, I cannot wait to see her do something. Like, we thought that she was just going to be Clint's wife. That's what she's been in these movies so far. But the implication that she might be a little bit more is very interesting. We'll get back to that later. So moving right along here, guys, we get to see Clint and Kate really interact in the first like two or three episodes. And it's clear that Clint wants no part of this. He doesn't want to start training some random girl to walk down this path that he's really regretted in a lot of ways walking down. It's a very lonely path. We see him lament what it means to be a superhero a lot. And he doesn't want to involve her, but she's smack dab in the middle of it. So he has to work with her. And it's throughout this that she's demonstrating what her value is. They're going up against the tracksuit mafia. And what one scene that really underscores this is the car chasing scene. It's because they find themselves in a situation where Kate can't drive. So Clint has to be the one to drive. So then Kate's the one who's on arrow duty. And it was super fun seeing her just explore these arrows. They're all different trick arrows. So she doesn't know what they can do. And you're... You're seeing Clint explain it to her while she's learning it in real time, and their chemistry is just flying off screen. One thing they do in the episodes three and four is Clint has, because of all the explosions and injuries he's gone through, he actually has reduced hearing. And when his hearing aid isn't totally tuned in, he can't really hear what's going on around him. And so you're seeing these two characters interact with Clint not really able to hear her. So at this point, he's no longer being actively mean to her. You know what I mean? He was being very dismissive of her. But now that he can't hear what she's saying, he's just chiming in wherever he can. And you're seeing that they're really on the same page a lot. They're saying a lot of the same sentences. And he just doesn't realize that they're saying the same things because he can't hear her. So that was a sweet way to kind of show that they do have like a chemistry as a duo without even before he was like willing to be all in for that the chemistry was already there. So that, that was a cool little detail. Another character we get introduced to here is Echo, and her name is actually Maya. I like calling her Maya more. I know that her name is Echo because she's supposed to have some type of ability where she can see somebody do a fight move and she can just echo it right away. 
that wasn't an ability that I saw displayed throughout this show, though it should be mentioned that she's certainly a very competent fighter. I don't know if I maybe missed a line of dialogue, but I, I definitely didn't see that she had any kind of any kind of ability past just being a badass, which she totally is. So this character has a prosthetic leg and she is deaf. So she brings a lot of a lot of dimension to the series as we get a lot of scenes with people just speaking in sign language, which doesn't slow the pacing down at all whatsoever. It actually this was one of the best uses of incorporating sign language scenes in a medium that I've seen. A lot of times Oh, I always appreciate seeing that, and I don't mind it at all. But it, if it's not done well, it can slow down the pacing of whatever you're watching significantly, kind of bring it to a halt, and it feel very jarring. That does not happen here. Uh, they they just pull it off really well. And every time you're seeing Maya, there's so much emotion on the screen. Her motivation coming into this is that she's under the impression, correctly, that Ronan killed her father. Uh, her father was involved in crime, but, you know... Basically, Ronan killed her father. She wants to get revenge on Ronan. And that, that's what's driving her throughout this episode. All these episodes. Of course, Kate Bishop is, is implied to be Ronan early on here. And so that's her target right away. Clint ends up st- intervening and implies that he's the one who's really the Ronan. And that's why the target gets put more so on him. But she's a factor that's happening throughout the background of the series where she's she her only motivation is to get her revenge. She's not really even though she is working for King Ben, she isn't you're not seeing that motivate her in every episode. So it was interesting to see her character. All of her scenes were totally badass. And the the drama they set between her and her friend who she finds out kind of betrayed her later on. They even have a complex gray area relationship as well, because that relationship isn't totally cut off. They are still seemingly still going to work together, even though he's part of the reason why her dad was killed. One of my favorite moments in the season is the mini climax that happens between season, excuse me, episode three and four. And what's happening here is you're actually seeing Clint and Kate go on a proper mission together, one that they planned and talked about leading up to it. And they're essentially breaking into this room where they know that the watch is. This is the same watch that the tracksuit mafia was looking for. And at this point, it's been revealed from the point of view of Clint and his wife that the watch definitely has something to do with someone close in his life. Again, we find out later on that that is his wife's watch. And we we still don't know the implications of the watch. We just know that it's a watch that she had. And it's tied to her superhero backstory. But that's besides the point. They need to retrieve this watch. And... We're, we're seeing some tutelage happen between Clint and Kate, which is really awesome to see. He's basically telling her it's more, it's more about having a quick escape than it is having an entry. And what's fun is to see their two different ideals clash and their two different approaches to doing missions. As he's explaining how he's going to, you know, the complicated way he's going to break in and out, she just goes and waltz right in. <laughs> She's wearing her arrows and everything in her full superhero costume. And essentially, she just Trojan horses with an old man who needs help with his groceries. And she just sneaks right on in. Because this is New York, uh, it's played up for laughs here that nobody is going to question you in New York. You, you that She's probably not the weirdest person that he's seen today walking around with a bow and arrows in a purple costume. It's probably one of the more normal interactions he's had that day. That, w- that was done well. I, I had fun with it. And seeing their banter as they're still communicating on separate sides of the situation was really good. One, and I think that this plays out as one of the best moments. And 
when she breaks into it, there's immediately these silent alarms that are going off, which are basically strobe lights. Being the excellent shooter that she is, she shoots them out on sight for both of them. But then we don't realize what it is at first. And then slowly we realize that those are silent alarms. We're in Maya's apartment. She's about to come fuck shit up. <laughs> and that's exactly what she does. Maya is super cool. She's so threatening as soon as we see her. And one thing I like about Kate's character as well is that she's competent enough to get out of these situations, even if it's just barely. You know, when she goes up against Maya and when she goes up against Yelena a little bit later, it's it's such a good fight because you can see that she isn't experienced in these situations, but she's still so capable that she's still making it out okay. She's not she's not becoming the victor of the situations, don't get me wrong. And you do get to see her fumble along the way, but just where she's at in her hero's journey right now, you you see her you see that she has the potential to become a great hero, even though she's not quite there yet, and she can still be a great asset. Honestly, she's a great sidekick. Come to think of it, she's pretty much the first sidekick we've seen in the MCU, and she fills that role very well. They found a great blend of capability with her. As Kate is going to blows with Maya in the apartment, uh, Clint is being attacked by somebody on his side of the roof as well. And in this moment, we think that, or excuse me, Clint thinks that it's Maya, and they both think that they're fighting Maya. I, I expected the person that Clint was fighting to be revealed to be uh, her friend, her kind of partner in crime that's been with her the whole time. But that's not the case. The person that we see is actually Yelena, which to this point, I can't believe that I forgot that Yelena was going to be in this series. We Yelena is Natasha's little sister who got introduced in the Black Widow movie that was released just a few months ago. And at the end credit scene of that film, we it was strongly implied that she was on a on a crash course to wherever Clint Barton was. And and I definitely expected that coming into the series, but it's a credit to the series that I was so wrapped into the different plots that they had introduced here that I completely forgot that she'd be a player on the board at some point. Of course, so at this point, they all converge onto the roof, and we have an all-out brawl between Hawkeye Clint Barton, Kate Bishop, Yelena Belova, and Maya Echo. It's it's really fun to see all these characters clashing, and like I said, none of them have powers, and that even though they don't have powers, they're all such major players. Like they all, You get a sense of how they're all very threatening, and they're all capable of doing such strong things, and Really, you have three different teams at play here. Yelena is there for revenge. Maya is there for revenge. Hawkeye and Kate Bishop are just trying to get themselves out of this situation and not let each other die. Uh, but it's interesting to see the different factors at play, and there was some great choreography in this scene as well. At the very end, there's a there's a moment where where Kate is being propelled off of the rooftop, and Clint goes to save her. And the, the, the shot of this actually does mirror the scene where Natasha dies in Endgame. And you see Clint kind of holding on to her, reaching out. It's a very similar uh, shot where she's also falling off of the ledge. She's falling in a very similar way. And he catches her right before she falls. And he can see that basically from this catch, she will land safely because there are lights there to catch her. And he just says to her, leave, get out of here. This just got really serious. You're done. And he basically lets her fall all the way down. What's really funny here is I thought that this was going to be the major turn of the episode. I didn't expect her to just jump right back into the fight. I thought this was where Clint was about to rain hell. But she immediately goes right back up. And that's just uh, 
there's there's a lot of moments like this where you see the subtle defiance with Kate, even though she idolizes Clint in such a major way and, and she's his biggest fan. She does not just listen to whatever he says. Actually, most times she listens. She does the opposite of what he says, which she it's just funny to see how um, how stubborn of a character she is. She believe in she believes in herself wholeheartedly. She she knows that she can do great things and she she feels very capable and she's not going to be told to turn away from a fight. And she's just very fierce. The show, more than anything, has set up this Kate character just really well. She is really what just emerged out of this series as it's after only six episodes with her. I'm fully on board with her in the MCU. I'm ready for her to step up and be a part of the Avengers. So she rejoins the the fight on the rooftop, and that and she's actually what what makes the difference for them being able to get out of this situation. She she turns the tide and let and honestly saves Clint's life. I believe it's possible that he would have been overwhelmed without her. But as soon as the fight is over, he he more strongly emphasizes what he meant just before. He said, "This is getting too serious. This you need to get out of here. You're too young. This is too dangerous." They've hired a Black Widow assassin. We can't be doing this anymore. And he just kind of rejects her, you know? It's kind of like uh, like Lassie. Get out of here. I don't love you anymore. I hate you. That kind of scene, kind of rejecting her. And you see, you really see the pain on her, which bleeds into the next episode and the heartbreak of her hero rejecting her and telling her, you have to leave. You can't be a part of this anymore. And you see that kind of just shred her to pieces for a little bit. In the next episode, we immediately get what is another one of my favorite moments, honestly, in the MCU period. Like, I'm like not just in the series, not just on Disney streaming service MCU stories. I mean, MCU at large. This is one of my favorite character moments, and it happens over a bowl of macaroni. So, Yelena Belova has been waiting for Kate Bishop in her, her apartment, and and this not only does this sh- get to you get a spotlight on both of these characters, Yelena and Kate Bishop, and what might be the future of the Avengers roster. Of course, they both are clear shadows of their predecessors. Yelena being a shadow of her sister Natasha Black Widow, and Kate, you know, being the unofficial sidekick of Hawkeye, being the shadow of Hawkeye. And I I do fully expect both of those characters to embrace both of those roles moving forward in the movies. And so that's why it's really nice to see an establishing scene between their dynamic and see it done so well. And if this is what we're starting off with for these characters, the future of the MCU certainly looks bright. And so the conversation we see essentially is Yelena is repeating Kate Bishop's name over and over. Hello, Kate Bishop. Oh, I see you like this, Kate Bishop. What do you mean, Kate Bishop? This and what she's demonstrating is that she knows so much about her that she should be spooked. And Kate even calls her out on this at some point. She says, oh, we get it. You know my name, which I thought was funny. And you're seeing these, you're basically seeing like a boxing match happen. That being said, early on, Yelena does go out of her way to remind her that if I wanted to kill you right now, you would already be dead. So you better sit down and listen to what I have to say to you, which is a nice reminder. It is true that at this point, these characters are at very different stages in their competency and they're just fighting career in general. They're both very talented, and I and Kate isn't maybe too far behind Yelena, but Yelena has been a professional assassin for like over a decade now, <laughs> so she definitely has more credits under her belt than Kate does. And so you you don't forget that in this scene, but what Kate doesn't do is just get dragged behind. She 
makes a point to stay there and she 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 stands her ground in this conversation and yelena is basically questioning to kate why do you like clint i mean don't you realize he's killed people this guy's a monster he has a long list a big a big stain in his ledger you know and kate really does stand up for clint and basically just justifies that he's a hero more so than he is anything and again i just don't know how i feel about clint's character overall knowing that he has done some very morally questionable things and i don't know kate kate stands by him yelena call kind of calls him out on it but if we're being honest yelena doesn't care about that because she's killed people too she doesn't care about that she just cares because she she's blaming him for natasha's death of course we as the audience know that that's not the case but that's really at the root of her concern that's what's happening so that's the surface level conversation that's happening between them that's the battle they're arguing over but what's happening a little bit underneath that, the second layer that's happening, is you're seeing two characters who clearly like each other. Like, they are friends, and there's such, like, a chemistry to their female friendship. They they call it a girl's night later on, and it, that's kind of exactly what it is. Because these characters are similar in a lot of ways, they're both, like, ruthless, stubborn, and capable, and very confident. They're very great female characters. MCU hasn't had a ton of those in like the first half of their run, but we're certainly getting them now. And it's better late than never because they, they really pop off the screen. Later on in that same episode, Yelena actually reveals to Kate that her mother was the one who hired her to kill Clint, which just hits Kate like a truck. Uh, what follows is that we see her actually, her mother, a video evidence of her mother meeting up with Kingpin. So if there was any doubt before that, that Kate's mom was actually behind some of these events, It's that's all out the window right now. And at this point, Jack Duquesne has actually already been arrested uh, because he has, basically there's a shell company under his name that is the face of all this crime. And it's in this moment that we, the audience, kind of get confirmed that he's not the one behind any of this. It's, it's the wife, it's the mom, Eleanor. She has not only been doing all this crime under Kate's nose, but has now framed her own fiancé for all the crimes and had him locked away. So we know that she is definitely not on the right side going into this final episode. So Kate kind of catches Clint up on all the information, and basically we see them as a team come back together. And what, what follows is a really fun montage scene of them making arrows together. And you're seeing a big theme of this season has been the trick arrows. It's been like the funnest part of all the action scenes is seeing all the different applications of all these arrows we have explosion arrows impulse arrows sludge arrows magnetic arrows we see pin particle arrows are definitely the most fun ones that we get to play with and you see her labeling all of them which i think is a very practical thing to do it's crazy that clint can just look at them and know what they all are but it was fun seeing that and it's another moment where clint is teaching her and it actually reminds me of another moment we get back in episode three uh, at the beginning of episode three, I totally forgot to mention this, but it's when Kate comes over to basically spend like do a Christmas mar movie marathon with him. At this point, Kate has realized everything that Clint is sacrificing to help out with this situation, being away from his family. And you see them really get to bond as more than just like partners or just co-workers, let's say, in achieving whatever their goal is. They really become friends here. And they really bond. And by the end of the series, they, what the relationship we see between the two of them is really very similar to father-daughter. And 
you just see them. They're drinking. They're watching Christmas movies. They're they're chatting about Arrow stuff, and they're relating to each other in a way that Clint probably has only been able to relate to Natasha. He hasn't had a bond with someone who who kind of does what he does, you know. And because it's kind of a tutelage relationship, there's just a lot of energy there. And the it, in 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 this montage, in this Christmas party that they're having, you see Clint teach her this trick where he can flick a cor- a quarter to do kind of crazy things, but. That's besides the point. It does end up coming into the fold a little bit later on. But what we're talking about right now is that arrow scene. And they're they're gearing up for their big battle, essentially. It's at this point that Clint has fully accepted Kate. And it's interesting to see the different beats because there is a journey that they walk you on with Clint as it pertains to his relationship with Kate in the series. And it starts off with reluctance. You know, he doesn't want to be there. He actively doesn't want to involve himself with this person whatsoever and you then you see him not even realizing it but really starting to bond with her but then you see him kind of reject her he realizes the danger that he's involving her with and then by the end of it it kind of comes full circle and it's it's apparent that with or without clint in the picture kate is going to be a hero because that's the kind of person kate is it's 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 besides the point like she is going to she's on this track to be a hero because that's who she is and the only thing Clint can do is try to better prepare her for that and actually teach her how to be a hero properly. And I like that turnaround for him. I like the journey that they put us on. And it's actually button. They, they cap it off with a speech from Kate about what what Clint has been for her. And because he is this unpowered person that has fought in all these battles with the craziest powerful people we've seen in the MCU, he... He's an inspiration to the everyman. He, you know, it's not just these alien and super gods that are going to protect us. It's up to you to protect yourself as well. And that's the message he gave to Kate, and that's his message worldwide. Uh, that that was a really great way to kind of demonstrate the value of what kind of a hero Clint is. And from and you get to see it from Kate's point of view, and it, it just hits home really hard. And that, that really does mark as the turn, as... Clint's able to acknowledge she knows what it is to be a hero. And basically, he's just willing to full-on work with her from here on out. He even ends up calling her his partner, which is, it's really nice to see them. Once once they really embrace that hero-sidekick relationship, it, it it's just palpable. <laughs> so what we get in this final episode is a series of different battles that unfold. Some really fun battles. The first one we're going to start with is Kate versus Yelena, part two. This was, honestly, in my opinion, this was the best battle sequence we had in the entire series. Even though we, we still have, it's, by, it's not the last one. We still have multiple ones, so you would assume that the bigger ones would be safe for last. But Kate and Yelena have this great bottle, battle, and it's throughout, the, it's throughout an apartment complex. And actually, what I need to mention is what leads up to this battle is they, they basically meet up in an elevator. They end up both, They both end up in this elevator because we know Yelena wants to go kill Clint. And we know that Kate wants to stop her from doing that. And so Yelena is just like, don't get in the elevator. Don't get in here. Don't. And then the last second you see her squeeze on by. And it's just super funny. They have such a funny dynamic where they clearly like each other and they're so playful with each other. But in this situation, they're on opposite ends. They have, they have opposing goals. And so it's just so funny to see them just go head to head while they still kind of like each other. And what we see Kate do in the elevator is press all the buttons. So, of course, that's going to delay their trip significantly. But the elevator ride gets cut a little bit short, and the two of them start battling in throughout an apartment. And just the 
the shooting of the scene and you're, how you're scrolling along the apartment and you're seeing the movement and they're flipping over couches, going over counters, fighting in different rooms. It was just really well done. That scene, you know, that scene is a type of scene I would expect to see in a Marvel movie because they always turn in unique battles, you know, people fighting on top of cars and just all these all different types of things. I think that this was such a unique battle and it was really well done and the shooting of it just really popped off. There, it, it was short-lived, however. It quickly ends with Yelena sprinting out of the window and basically scaling on the side of this building really quickly to get a quick shot in on Clint. And she actually almost does him in there. That shot could have killed him for sure. If it weren't for the warning of Kate, I think it would have done him in. And then right after that, this is such a funny scene. You see Kate try to scale all the way down as well. She's never done this before, but she's essentially going all the way from, you know, floor 30. It's, it's a skyscraper going all the way down to the ground. And she has no, <laughs> she has no ability, no experience how to slow herself down on the side of this building. Normally you would take this at a much slower pace, but she's essentially sprinting all the way down, just slowing herself down just enough to where she doesn't completely splat on the ver- at the very end. And I love that she's screaming the entire way down. She's just ah, all the way down until she goes all the way down to the very bottom. And she just catches herself with an awesome superhero landing pose of the lights of which we've seen out of Yelena and Natasha in the past. These characters love to do a superhero pose in the Marvel universe, just so you know. <laughs> At this point, we cut to the battle that Clint ends up having with Maya. Uh, and what's happening, it's funny that Clint is basically having the same battle twice here. He He's having Maya come at his throat for killing her dad, and we have Yelena coming at his throat for supposedly killing his sister. What's interesting is I really thought that both of these were going to be rectified. We know that Clint wasn't the one who killed Natasha, and I thought the same thing was going to happen for Maya. I didn't think that they were going to allow this hero to be a killer, but... That ends up being what the case is. Uh, As he's fighting Maya, we see that she's heartbroken. You see that fury that's coming from her. But what he does, well, he actually overpowers her like he does pretty much everyone he fights. If he wanted to kill Maya, he definitely would have. And that's definitely how things could have gone if Maya chose to continue escalating things. But he ends up telling her, I'm a weapon. (laughs) That ends up being his main argument. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not fully on board with his argument. It takes people's individual ability to make their own decisions out, out of it a little bit. And I I still think that Clint kind of in a way does need to be held accountable for his actions that he did during that blip time. But Maya's able to end up seeing that just because it was Clint's sword that did it, it wasn't his call to have done it. And just like everyone in the gang that she works for, they're all weapons. They... So I, I guess it does ring true to me a little bit that you can't really just blame the person who did the act. You have to blame the person who's in charge of that person who made that decision. Of course, that's when Clint reveals that Kingpin was the one who hired him to do it. And the person who gave him the location of her father was her best friend, the person that she's been partners with this entire time. And we get to see that drama again unfold for Maya's character as she confronts her friend later on. And when she confronts Kingpin at the very end of the episode, this character, without using any words, just using sign language, really makes a pop. And she, what she, what she provides is this just dramatic character. It has been confirmed that there is going to be a Echo spinoff series after this, so 
I'm definitely excited to pick back up with her character and see what she gets up to. Meanwhile, elsewhere, we see that Kingpin is basically coming for Kate's mom, Eleanor. Kate, Kate's mom, earlier in this episode, once she was confronted by Kate, ends up essentially leaving the criminal business. She stands up to Kingpin and says, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. It's involving my daughter. I'm completely out. I want out. I've done enough for you. And if you guys know the Kingpin character, that's not going to go so smooth for him. So he wants his revenge on Kate's mom, of course. And that's when Kate comes in to defend her. And the battle sequence that happens here is really good, too. Um, From what I know about the Kingpin character, he doesn't have any kind of superpowers. He's not like a super serum soldier or anything like that. However, the strength that he displays in this episode, he might as well be. He's definitely a big guy, but he's not so big that I would believe that he's out here just tanking arrows and getting hit by cars and just getting everything you throw at him. He just stands right back up as chipper as he was before. And he's throwing Kate around very aggressively around here. What what does get communicated is how much of a physical threat Kingpin is. Um, however, as far as a psychological threat, somebody who I'm really afraid of their strategy, he doesn't ring that true to me. Him, His introduction, maybe it's because he only came in at the last episode here. He wasn't even name dropped before then that he he doesn't really make a long lasting impression on the series. Uh his battle again. It, you do see you do see how much power he has in that battle against Kate, and how overwhelming he is for her. But he doesn't make that strong of an impression overall. The last scene we get with him is he's being held at gunpoint from Maya, and we see the gun. We see that the gunshot went off, but we don't see what happened there. Did she shoot him in the leg? Did she shoot him in the eye? Maybe. Did she just give a warning shot and she doesn't kill him right now? I'm not sure. I definitely don't expect the character to be dead. He just got pulled into the MCU. So it would definitely be a weird move to take him off the board so quickly. The final battle we have to go through here is Yelena versus Clint. This was a much better battle than Maya versus Clint, in my opinion. I think that Yelena is just a lot more capable. And her just as a Black Widow, her, her fight scenes just pop off a little bit more. And she was just more of a competent threat against Clint overall. And it, the same thing ends up happening. Uh, you know, Clint is just trying to explain to Yelena that she he didn't kill Natasha. He loved Natasha. That was his best friend. And Yelena, of course, is not listening at all. The fury, the rage that we see on her face, the absolute lack of ability to believe him is just off the charts. <laughs> like Florence Pugh really brings it. Uh, she might be my favorite addition to the MCU. Her Yelena Belova is just so funny and so capable, scary, and dramatic. She brings that emotion when she needs to. And it's just a credit to Florence Pugh's acting for sure. But it's not until Clint does this whistle. And it's the same whistle that was taught between Natasha and Yelena when they were just children. That was shown in the movie. And it, it was just like a secret whistle between the two of them. It's kind of their code. And... Once Hawkeye is able to replicate this whistle, that just communicates to Yelena that they must have had such a close relationship that she actually felt comfortable divulging that information. And she has so much trust and belief in Natasha, her big sister, that if Natasha can trust him that implicitly, then Yelena can too. And it's a sobering reality because for her, it feels better that there's someone to blame for Natasha's death and she wants to get that vindication. But the truth of it is just more somber and it does hurt a little bit more. And it's that 
Natasha died to protect everyone else, especially her younger sister. And and that actually brings me back to something I forgot to mention here. You know, that that certainly is a big reason why Natasha does the self-sacrifice that she does in that movie. It's to assure that her younger sister can come back. We found out in this series, it's in episode five, that Yelena was actually blipped. Uh, she was gone during that time. And just like the cold open we get at the beginning of the series, this was the cold episode of that episode of, epi- excuse me, that was the cold open of episode five. And what we see in that episode is it picks up shortly after the events of the Black Widow movie. Yelena has been doing the same thing that she was doing at the end, which is turning Black Widows um, back into regular people, breaking the serum that controls them. And and we see just in a moment, we see the perspective of somebody being blipped for the first time. We've seen people get blipped. We've seen people come back from being blipped. We've never seen that whole process happen and how it literally is just five seconds to them. So we watch in the bathroom. We I, I didn't expect this to happen in this moment. I didn't know where the scene was going. But then you see her flake away, the iconic blip thing. And then you see her come right back into place in the same spot she was at before, except for everything looks different. It's been five years. This person changed her house a little bit. And she just winds up back in that same house. And the terrifying nature and overwhelming nature of just washing your face in the bathroom and then coming out and your whole reality has changed. It's five years down the line. I mean, it's not a new concept. We've been playing with the blip for a few years now, but seeing that perspective of it was very strong, and it definitely undercuts why Yelena is feeling like overwhelmingly manic about this whole situation with her sister. She just wakes up, and it's five years have gone. My sister's dead, but she's the reason everyone came back. It's a lot. It's a lot to unpack, and... (laughs) I'm excited that Yelena's character already has this many layers to her because she's just going to be a great addition moving forward. That pretty much ties up all the loose ends as far as it pertains to all the fighting and all the criminals. Um, the the button end that we get to the to the story here is that Clint does make it home in time for Christmas and he actually brings Kate along. Um, Kate doesn't really have a family at this point. She almost had a stepdad, but I'm assuming that that relationship isn't going to foster anymore now that her mom's kind of out of the picture. However, it seems like he's going to go hang out with the LARPers, which is, that's a great little plot line for him. But Kate's mom is in jail now. I mean, she's 22 years old, so she is an adult, but she doesn't really have a family to go to for Christmas. And after all these, you know, crazy events just happened, there's no way Clint's going to leave her alone. So she takes, she, he takes Kate and along with the dog pizza dog I forget his name right now lucky I think and he comes back home with them and uh, Clint's entire family just open welcomes her and the dog with open arms and it's definitely cute to see her get to spend Christmas with them and they have a lovely time together one thing I did notice now I could be reading a little much too into this but you guys go watch this episode back watch this ending and tell me this isn't here I think that Clint's daughter has a bit of a dislike towards Kate. And I think that this is totally reasonable. But if you just look at the facial acting of Clint's daughter, who is similar in age, she's probably 17 or something like that. You can see her give a a, a couple of side glances towards Kate. And I think that if we pick up this story again in a season two or perhaps in a movie, we're going to see a weird drama between the two of them. And and. And I have another reason for this. If you go back to Avengers and uh, Infinity War, you see Clint on on a ranch with his family, and he's teaching his daughter how to shoot arrows. So clearly, there was a 
mentory tutelage type relationship between him and his daughter already but his daughter isn't the one who's stepping in to be a sidekick it's this new girl out of nowhere all of a sudden uh i don't know this could be just a little bit crackpot theory of mine but i think that that's going to be a major dynamic uh moving forward is why would you why would you take this girl under your wing why wouldn't you just train me to be you know the new hawkeye essentially so i don't know we'll see where we get out of that but i'm definitely expecting something to come to light there the final kind of reveal that we get is that the watch belonged to Clint's wife the whole time, which basically just means that she used to be an Avenger or some type of operative back in the past, probably before they started having kids. So we'll see where that comes in. I don't, it seems like a weird move to introduce that at this point. Is she going to step into the Avengers now? Is there room for Clint, his new sidekick, and his wife to be all involved? I don't know. It's interesting. The new Avengers roster seems like it's going to get crowded here. So I don't know. I'm, I am I just don't know where that's going to lead. It's hard to feel excited about that when she's just been a character on the sidelines all this time. And it's hard to get excited about another unpowered character after we just got like four or five of them. But uh, hey, let's see where it goes. I'm excited. I'm so ready for season two because there's a lot that they have set up here. So all in all, guys, if it's not already clear, I had a lot of fun watching this show. Jeffrey Renner does a lot for the Hawkeye character. He's had a very consistent performance of this character in all these movies leading up till now, and he just does a great job showing all different types of emotion. He's a very caring person, and he does have a strong heart. I do think that Haley Steinfeld is the star of this entire season, however, Haley Steinfeld, the first time I saw her was in True Grit, and that was my favorite movie at the time. She's a fantastic actress, and if she's going to be an example of what the MCU is going to have to offer in the future, then I'm I'm here for it. Her and Yelena, they do a great job. Maya pay, playing Echo, I wasn't as sold on her character. Even though she does bring like a lot of drama, I do like her dramatic scenes. She just didn't she didn't make that strong of an impression for me, but we do know that she's going to have her own season. So, we'll see where that goes. I'm definitely going to chime into that and you'll probably see me doing a breakdown of her season as well. And I'm assuming that the Kingpin character is going to be in there. I don't know. It, we could I could be wrong. Maybe he ends up getting killed there and that was just a quick little Kingpin cameo, but I'm assuming he's still alive and we'll probably see more of him as well. Again, I I actually think that pretty much everything nailed it on the series except for Kingpin, his execution just wasn't perfect for me, but I didn't hate it either. It was it was okay. It was just the one thing that I don't think the show absolutely nailed. Other than that, though, I mean, honestly, after having this conversation with you guys, I think that I feel great about the Hawkeye series. I felt good about it coming into this review, but once I've highlighted all these uh, impactful moments, the show really delivers a lot of moments that... Uh, that really just stick with me and they stuck the landing overall in the ending as well. So yeah, Marvel's Hawkeye, give it a watch. I I'm going to give this one a, a 8.9 out of 10. It also counts as a great Christmas story. I forgot to really touch on that, but the backdrop for this story is New York Christmas and they definitely succeed in giving that Christmassy vibes. If you made it this far, thank you guys so much for giving me a shot. If you have any feedback, please email me at the D show pod at gmail.com that's t-h-e-d-s-h-o-w-p-o-d pod at gmail.com let me know what you think i want to hear some feedback did i forget to talk about anything what did i miss here guys and what can i do better 
Also, I want to know what you guys think I should be watching. You know, ideally, I'm covering the content that you guys are consuming. So let me know. And again, thank you so much for listening to another review. My name is Darius Cook. As always, happy holidays and I love you.